This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean News headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at our Caribbean headlines for today, Friday, May 27th. NOAA predicts above-normal 2022 Atlantic hurricane season. Summit of America's U.S. Congresswoman Waters urges President Biden to advance financial access for Caribbean. World Bank approves $25 million U.S. dollars for Grenada. Trinidad and Tobago, Guyana signs MOU to help each other grow. International activists launch global campaign ahead of ExxonMobil Guyana permit and youngest black U.S. law school graduate rewarded with trip to Grenada. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, May 27. We start a report today with a look at the 2022 Atlantic hurricane season. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration for the United States, NOAA, is predicting an above-normal 2022 Atlantic hurricane season. NOAA Administrator Dr. Rick Spinrad said this year is the seventh consecutive year above normal. NOAA calls for a 70% probability of the following ranges, 14 to 21 main storms with top winds of at least 39 miles per hour. Of these, 6 to 10 will become hurricanes, top winds of at least 74 miles per hour. And of these, 3 to 6 major hurricanes ranked at Category 3, 4, or 5, with top winds of at least 111 miles per hour. The 2022 Atlantic hurricane season begins on June 1st and ends November 30th. St. Kitts Nevis Observer reports that U.S. Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters has written to President Joe Biden ahead of the Summit of the Americas to incorporate a key priority for Caribbean nations. Waters, chairwoman of the United States House of Representatives Financial Services Committee, is calling for financial access and inclusion, particularly to advance solutions to the harmful phenomenon of bank de-risking for Caribbean Caribbean nations. Most of the Caribbean region has witnessed large financial institutions, both U.S. and foreign, scaling back or terminating their relationship with respondent banks in the region, making it significantly more difficult to do business and obtain financial services, Waters wrote. Due to an unfortunate misc of potential regulatory penalties, maturing anti-money laundering laws, lingering often inaccurate negative perceptions, small populations and volumes of transactions, and low bank profits, Caribbean nations and their citizens have a diminished ability to engage in cross-border trade, to accommodate U.S. tourists and their dollars, to receive funds from family abroad, to recover quickly from natural disasters, and to thrive economically, the congresswoman told Biden. She noted that she recently led a delegation of U.S. congressional members to the Caribbean, where she co-hosted Caribbean Financial Access Roundtable with Barbados's Prime Minister Mia Motley. Waters said participating in this event with the visiting members of Congress were nearly a dozen Caribbean heads of state, along with financial institutions, the International Monetary Fund, the Caribbean Development Bank, the U.S. Embassy in Bridgetown, and members of civil society. 
At our roundtable, we successfully identified several concrete actions that can be taken to address de-risking, she said, stating that they included providing technical assistance for legal and regulatory harmonization, supporting a consortium bank pilot project for the region, creating programs to encourage small and medium-sized banks to offer correspondent banking services, and level-setting U.S. and regional examiner understanding of anti-money laundering enforcement. Grenada now reports that the World Bank's Board of Executive Directors approved the financing of 25 million U.S. dollars for Grenada's first recovery and resilience programmatic development policy credit. Before the pandemic, Grenada's reform path to build economic resilience had attained solid growth, debt sustainability, and poverty reduction. However, the COVID-19 pandemic caused massive socioeconomic impacts, which are expected to exaggerate the pre-existing vulnerabilities of Grenada as a small island developing state. The financing will help support the country's recovery by promoting a greener and more climate-resilient economy, improving sustainability and greater accountability of fiscal management. The project will assist in establishing a comprehensive disaster risk management legislation to utilize resources efficiently and effectively, promote wider use of renewable energy, and improve energy efficiency. Additionally, increased use of technology technology is expected with the passage of legislation and other plans to increase data safeguards. In addition, it will support the government in strengthening fiscal accountability and mitigation risk to fiscal sustainability, including support for climate change and gender considerations in the budgeting process. The project will also assist with the implementation of a permanent unemployment insurance program to enhance the labor market's resilience. Another objective is to build the capacity of Grenada's statistical system to enable more informed and timely policy making. Grenada also received the World Bank funding for 15 million U.S. dollars this month to make the country's transportation infrastructure more resilient to impacts of climate change and natural hazards. Trinidad and Tobago and Guyana signed a Memorandum of Understanding after a three-day Agrivest Investment Forum in Guyana from May 19 to 21st. The agreement signed on May 22nd seeks to address partnership in areas of trade and investment, including non-tariff barriers, agriculture and food security, energy, infrastructure, security, education, tourism, sports, and culture, with the aim of developing strategic co operations and partnerships for both countries. Oversight of the execution of the MOU would be under a new bilateral commission comprising both of private and public sectors. Trinidad and Tobago Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley said the agreement showed that CARICOM could seek and find solutions to its many problems, especially in agriculture, which was left vulnerable during the pandemic. Rowley called on the private sector to 
to refocus its investments in areas of food supply, production, transportation, processing, and distribution. He added that CARICOM urgently needed to make shifts in its investment patterns, partner with technical expertise, and become insulated from external pressures. Guyana's President Dr. Mohamed Iran Ali, who holds the agricultural portfolio in the CARICOM quasi-cabinet, said Guyana saw the MOU as a commitment to secure the future of both countries, and it was being carried out at a political level to ensure the policies and contents were achieved within a reasonable time frame. He added that the transportation between the two countries was critical and an experimental ferry system to transport people and goods was being explored by the two governments. The MOU also provides an opportunity for Trinidad and Tobago to help Guyana's efforts to reduce the regional food import bill. Another key benefit of the MOU is greater food security, reduced price volatility, and reduced risk to food supplies from geopolitical risk. The proximity of the two countries, together with cultural bonds, provides a strong platform for this initiative. Crider News reports global nonprofit organization AVAS, with about 5,000 signatures, has joined the fight for a better oil deal between Guyana and petroleum giant ExxonMobil. The operating permit for Exxon's first oil field, Liza One, expires next week, May 31, 2022. International advocates and environmental activists have increased momentum to support Guyana in its call for a better financial deal from its oil endowments as well as adequate protection from environmental and other negatives arriving from the country's offshore operation. AVAS is a U.S.-based organization launched in 2007 that promotes global activism on issues such as climate change, human rights, animal rights, corruption, poverty, and conflict. The petition, which takes direct aim at Guyana's EPA head, is saying you can stop Exxon's oil bomb. Don't sacrifice the future of the people of Guyana and all of us for the profits of a billion-dollar company. AVAS is also calling for a pause of oil operations until ExxonMobil guarantees that they will pay for all environmental, social, and economic damage across Guyana and the Caribbean as a result of any well-blown-out or oil spill from their operations. They advocate for a pause in local operations until the government of Guyana provides independent evidence that the benefits of the Guyanese people outweigh the cost and until the government invests in solar energy jobs in Guyana in light of its conditional undertaking under the Paris Agreement to go 100% renewable by 2025. The body called for the government to make public a full independent audit of pre-contract costs and other costs claimed by ExxonMobil and its partners in Guyana, as well as putting in place an independently controlled escrow account for the billions of United States dollars necessary to pay for the safe and permanent shutdown of ExxonMobil's deepwater wells at the end of oil gas production. The petitioner also sounded their voices in support of the ailing fish industry. Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that the COVID-19 travel pass system and supporting restrictions into Trinidad and Tobago will be lifted from June 1st. 
Trinidad and Tobago's Minister Terence Delia Singh has announced. At Wednesday's virtual media conference, he said COVID-19 cases have been at a plateau, about 200 cases per day, and based on international, regional and local data. There has been weakening of the acute phase of the virus. We are seeing a waning of this acute phase of the pandemic. But please note that the pandemic is still with us, he said. But added, as of Wednesday, June 1st, I am authorized by the Prime Minister to tell the country, especially those who travel, that Trinidad and Tobago travel pass system will be discontinued. What I mean is unvaxxed nationals and non-nationals can enter Trinidad and Tobago, so you don't have to prove your vaccination status. However, you do have to provide either a negative PCR or antigen test taken 48 hours prior to entry. In related news, the Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands Travel Portal launched during the COVID-19 pandemic in an attempt to minimize the spread of the virus from individuals entering the U.S. Virgin Islands will be discontinued effective Wednesday, June 1st. Ending the travel portal requirements further realizes the territory's new COVID endemic status an announcement made two weeks ago. According to the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, a disease is endemic when it is a constant presence in the population, following predictable patterns and occur at an expected baseline level. An endemic disease is consistently present, but it spreads at predictable rates that can be managed by communities, said the CDC. The seasonal influenza, for example, is an endemic disease in the United states. Malaria is an endemic disease in many parts of the world, with 229 million cases reported in 2019. According to the reports, for now, vaccination efforts remain a key step in ending the pandemic and transitioning to an endemic. Antigua Newsroom reports that the cabinet has received a report from the minister with responsibility for the blue economy on a plan to harvest many tons of sand from the open ocean. The ministry reports that apparently there are billions of tons of sand offshore, which could be safely harvested over a 20-year period from the nation's exclusive economic zone. Three arms of government that will all play a role in ensuring that the sand harvesting can be done safely and securely without affecting fish stock or the environment are the Fisheries Department, the Department of Environment, and the Department of Control Authority, the report said. Loop News reports that Grenada's Tourism Authority has rewarded a U.S. Ute trailblazer, Haley Taylor Schultz, with an all-expense-paid trip to the island as a reward for her hard work to become the youngest black woman to graduate law school in the United States of America. Schultz received the gift during an appearance on the Tamarin Hall show last Friday. In an Instagram post, Pure Grenada states, Pure Grenada applauds excellence, especially amongst the young. So pleased to join us in celebrating the achievement of Haley Taylor Schultz, who at 19 years old is the youngest black woman to graduate law school in America. We join with Tamron Hall Show to congratulate and surprise Haley with a trip to Grenada, thanks to True Blue Bay Resort. 
We are proud to be a part of this celebration and look forward to welcoming Haley and her family to the Spice Island. And finally, Trinidad and Tobago Newsday reports that Trinidad and Tobago's double Olympic medalist, Kishorn Walcott, captured silver in the men's javelin at the Internationals Lechtelikatmik in Germany on Wednesday. Walcott, who got gold at the 2012 Olympic in London and a bronze at the 2016 Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, launched a spare 84.69 meters, his best for the 2022 season thus far. Winning gold on Wednesday was German Julian Weber with his 85.02 meters throw, while Czech Republic Jacob Vadlich earn a bronze with 83.39 meter attempt. Prior to his silver medal performance, Walcott won gold at the Yellow Jacket Invitational in Atlanta, USA in March. There he threw 84.68 meters. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, May 27th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.